first. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Which was it? Just stay tuned, Norton. Listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Howdy campers, Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings, and welcome back to the show. I hope you all remain safe and healthy, and here we go with episode 25. And this show was put together over the Thanksgiving holiday and baked at 350 degrees until an internal temperature of 165 was reached, and then served up to you piping hot. And while Jason Jones and Mike Rochford both asked for essentially 24 hours worth of programming for travel purposes. Uh, Two hours was just the best I could do. Sorry, fellas. Uh, Maybe in the future I will read uh, Clobber's work on rattlesnakes or Carl Caulfield or Archie Carr or something like that. And uh, Now, along with my opening riff on Thanksgiving, I am hoping that this episode doesn't turn out to be a complete turkey because I'm trying something a little different here on today's show. I have strung together a series of mini episodes that are built around a common theme, the best and worst experiences with regard to amphibians and reptiles. And this show came out of suggestions from some of the friends of the show. And as you know, I appreciate it when I get suggestions and feedback. And and this is one I could accommodate with just some extra work on uh, all of the segments that I had to edit. And so I collected these mini-sodes over the past few months, and many of them were recorded on location. And and uh, in in two different countries, uh, no less. And a few were done over the internet. And for some, it was the case of me saying, hey, uh, I know we just talked for an hour, but can I also ask you to do another short segment uh, for another show I have in mind? And uh, I may have gone a bit overboard as I ended up with 13 segments. And some of them are short and some are not. And you'll notice that they vary a bit in volume and sound quality. And uh, I also shuffled the deck a bit in terms of uh, time and place, and uh, or uh, time and space, as it were, and hopefully it all works, so I'm asking you up front to let me know uh, your thoughts on this episode. And while putting all of this together, uh, I found it interesting, uh, just the, the wide spectrum of experiences that people have, and in one case, as you'll hear, we have two people who unexpectedly told the same story. Uh, so we get two different perspectives, and Neither person knows that the other picked also the same experience. So, I mean, that is until they listen to this episode. So, let's listen to this episode. Hi, everyone. Once again, we're here with the Best and Worst series. And at the moment, we're talking to Andy O'Connor, and he is going to tell us, first of all, his best herping experience. Take it away, Andy. Uh, It's an easy one for me. Best herping experience. 
would be um, hiking out at Cantil in Alamos a few years ago. And by Cantil, you mean Akisterdon Bilineatus. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, we had a big group in Alamos, and we'd been doing a lot of road cruising, and Matt has a lot of experience down there and said he doesn't road cruise very many Cantils, and so... We found our local contact who had access to a ranch that his family owned or a friend of a family, and uh, he said he saw him all the time. So about half the group split off and went out there for the day, and it was hot and humid, and it smelled like the produce section of the grocery store after the spritzers, the <laughs> misters come on. That's, that's what I remember about the smell. But um, I was literally crawling on my hands and knees through undergrowth I decided to leave the trail and uh, I have a couple clips of cell phone footage of it but basically I came into a little clearing saw another little dark patch of foliage walked in there and the bushes went crazy and I turned my headlamp on and all I saw was the face stripes through the foliage they've got that bright yellow and cream two face stripes almost like Willardi and I could see it in the dark of the, the foliage even though it was daytime it was dark awesome and it was an amazing snake. And I had to bag it by myself because I was and I was shaking so much with <laughs> adrenaline. And everyone was so spread out. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, I've got a cantile. And I hear someone off in the distance, did you catch it? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's in front of me. I don't know what to do. But yeah, I safely used two hooks and got it out. I never touched it with my hands. It was a spazzy little snake. Thanks for clarifying that too. I was very safe with it, but I was literally vibrating shaking yeah. more than I ever have with and any other And you do that because you love your brothers and sister herpers and you want I like to, my hands. You want to, you want to, you want to <laughs> yeah, but you also want to share the snake. You just don't want to right. back out and say, we were hey, so I saw something out. cool. It was the didn't. target and we were all spread out and everyone needed to see it. It was the reason we went out there. So I wanted to make sure everyone saw it and we took pictures and we let it go where we found it and it worked out great. Awesome. Now give me your worst. Worst. Sleeping off seasickness in a cave on a hot desert island. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've known a lot of your experiences, and that was not the one I was expecting. So, What were you expecting? (laughs) The one where the elephant attacked you. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I I thought we were sticking with Mexico. Oh, yeah, we're still, okay. Okay. Uh, No, just give me your, give me your, is that your worst? Yeah. No, that is not my worst. Okay. Uh, My worst is, by far and away, what we originally sold as an elephant attack in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> there was no elephant involved. No, there was no. They were not even seen in Vietnam. That was Thailand. But uh, the short version, as short as I can make it, uh, we were in a national park in Vietnam for five days. We rented scooters because where we were sleeping was about 24 kilometers from the gate, and the bus dropped us off, but they recommended we have some scooters in case we needed to they gave them to us for emergency. Like, if you need to come down here and get some supplies or let us know. We used them for road cruising at night with headlamps, and the headlights on those things were awful. You had to use your headlamp. And I got pretty comfortable, uh, a little too comfortable with my skills on two wheels. And uh, the last day, Mac and I tore down the road to let some snakes go that we'd photographed, and we were tearing back. And I didn't know that he's got a bunch of years of experience on a motorcycle, and I don't. So I was following him and maxing that thing out. And I went into a corner going probably triple the speed that he was. And I flew off the road and uh, 
got pretty banged up. Lot, lots of uh, holes and cuts and contusions, abrasions. Oh, I got. I took a big shot to the head right beneath where the helmet line should be, and uh, we came back to the road and waited for help, and help wasn't coming. And I asked him if the bike started, and he started it. And I was like, "Can you straighten the wheel out?" Because the handlebars were pointed all the way 90 degrees left, and the wheel was straight. So he torqued it back and said, yeah, it's, it's a little wobbly. And I said, well, can you ride the broken one and let me ride yours back? And I rode side saddle because my leg was so messed up. So I was all wobbly. And I came back, and I remember the look on Brian's face first. Everyone was kind of giggling. They thought we were playing a joke. Someone said, he looks like Rambo because I had a bandana wrapped around my head. And then Brian that saw That was holding was, your head together, right? Yeah, sort of, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the sock wrapped around my shin was holding that together. And Brian saw me first and goes, do you need help? And I just kind of nodded. I think he saw that I was concussed. He ran up and he grabbed the bike as I like basically jumped off of it. And Alex's med skills cleaned my leg up. But we had three more days. Oof. We had to fly to Hong Kong the next morning. I know, brother. I, I remember awful. helping you climb up some, some uh, steep, steep yeah. viaducts. Yeah, we were in the viaducts and you were helping yeah. me out. I, I was going at... Uh, going slower than everybody yeah. so but uh You're that was a too. bad experience just because after i got home i had infections and a couple days in the hospital and they redid all my stitches and but it was scary it was we had what a four-hour bus ride back to hanoi yeah. after and i was it was not good not good yeah. yeah but here you are you're here alive today to tell your story it was an so. experience for sure you got to embrace the pain sometimes we said earlier but you got to just roll with it. I mean, thankfully, I had a good supportive group of people with me. I got out of the hospital and we flew the next day. Flying, flying was easy for me because I was in a wheelchair and I got ahead of all of you. I got to skip customs and just wait at baggage claims for you guys. I was like, hey, I've been here for 45 minutes. Let's go to Hong Kong. Don't try to fake that, folks. No, no. It was very obvious I was not faking it. I, yeah. I looked like I'd been in a You look like you've been stomped by an elephant. Well, I told the bartender in Hong Kong that uh, I, I, we flew here and I was a professional fighter and I had been in a kumite. <laughs> and he believed it. He was like, oh, my, my cousin's a luchador. And he started showing me these pictures of his friend that was a kickboxer. And then I felt bad because I was, I was, it felt like stolen glory. Like, so I was like, no, I wasn't in a fight. I crashed a bike. And he's like, oh, okay. That's, that makes more sense. All right. Very good. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. That, <laughs> that was great. Well, it's time for another segment of our Best Worst series. And uh, once again, this segment of the show is coming from Mexico. And we're talking to Chris McDonald, uh, Mac, as it were. And uh, Mac, tell us your best herping experience. Well, I have a lot of really best herping experience, but... Uh one that really lays out in my mind is uh, happened here in Mexico, and we were doing an island hopping tour, and uh, one of the one of the best snakes that I was wanting to find on the entire trip. I it was a question mark whether we were going to get to the island. It was like what a six hour drive down to Santa Rosalia from where we were at, and uh, we really were strapped for time, and uh, we ended up saying, you know what, let's go. We all just hopped in the car. And we drove down to Santa Rosalia. We got there at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Slept for like two hours. Got up at the crack of dawn, before the crack of dawn. 
And on my way to the boat, oddly enough, I found a penny, an American penny. And I picked it up, put it in my pocket. We hopped in the boat and bounced our way through the waves on a panga out to the island of Tortuga. On the way out, I flipped that penny into the water and made a, made a little wish to myself that I really wanted to find that lamper peltis on that island. And uh, it's one of those moments where you actually finally get on the island after a rocky <laughs> mount onto the island. It was tough to get onto the island even when you got there. And about 10 minutes after I was on the island, I looked to my right along a little rocky wash, and the first snake I saw on the island was that Lampropeltis tortugensis, and it was just a, one of the most amazing snakes that I could ever have wanted to find. It was like a little wish that I, I got what I wanted that day, yeah. and I, it made the entire trip for me. Very cool. And you had to work for it, though. I had to work for it. Yeah. And uh, by work for it, I also mean endure the uh, choppy boat, <laughs> the terrible boat ride and the choppy uh, water and trying to get on, off the boat onto the, onto the shingle there. Yep. Difficult. Very good. So uh, give me your worst. Well, other than having to pull my good friend Andy out of the rainforest and drag him back out to the main road when he wrecked his moped, um, I think... Honestly, my the worst experience I've ever had herping is when I went to a localized a local den site in Washington State on the way down from a we were heading on to a herping trip. We were driving all the way and we figured we'd stop and get a few more species that were local on our way down and we stopped at this den site that I'd never been to before and uh when we got up there it was one of the saddest sights I've ever seen. Um I think some of the locals had found the den site and finding literally 50, 60 uh, rattlesnake carcasses with their tails broken off and their heads smashed with rocks was, it was a real sad experience. And that's, you know, that, that's terrible. That was probably my, one of my hardest days herping. And I was glad that the rest of the trip turned out to be a heck of a lot better than than what that was. In fact, it was a fantastic trip, and I'm, I'm so glad that it wasn't black-marked by that. Um, I, I was, what, five, six years ago, I think it was, and uh, I, I think about that moment every day when you smell dead animal, and you're like, you think you're going to find something like a rabbit or a fox carcass sitting there, and then all of a sudden you think you see a rattlesnake basking, and you look around, and it's it's head smashed and then you find more and more and more and you're like what 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 goes through the people's minds to do this yeah it's hard to understand i mean they're not harming anyone right to deliberately kill an animal like that for really no good for reason for a senseless reason yeah it's beyond me yeah yeah that's kind of hard to take but uh you know i think a lot of people have had that same sort of experience but maybe not in the at such a so many snakes you know everybody runs across people who deliberately run off the road to kill a snake or something or even turtles or you know there's some people with real problems out there but just the, the, the sheer number is is hard to take well i hope that's the worst thing that ever happens to you yeah uh, you know <laughs> yeah me too that's uh definitely a, a downer but um you gotta move on like you say and, and try to accentuate the positive and try to still have a good trip so. exactly 
Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your experiences with us. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Sure. Hi, folks. We're back with another segment of our Best Worst series. And for this episode, I'm talking to Brian Hughes. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you, Mike. So give us your best herp experience ever. Uh, super hard to answer that, but if I'm just thinking of of moments of just pure joy, other, aside from just trips that are amazing experiences where you just there's just a moment that makes you shake. Um, it was last year, actually, um, we went to Mexico to look for a, a New Mexico Originals rattlesnake, which is this little gray rattlesnake that, you know, doesn't look all that exciting, but um, over the last decade, I had put in, I don't know, hundreds of hours in, the, in a very difficult range in Arizona uh, looking for that snake and failing. It is incredibly hard to, to locate in that particular age. The Palencios, uh, they're dying out. Um, and the, the last two snakes that I'd seen anyone photograph there, if you look at the, the pictures, it's the same snake. So there's just, there's just not many there. And, you know, everybody has a, a white whale out there. Uh, this one was a gray whale for me. I and we're talking about Crotalus Willardi Willard Obscurus. Yeah. Yes. Just incredibly difficult to find. So there was a trip to go look for it in the Sierra San Luis Mountains in Mexico, which where they're numerous. And it's just a hard place to you know get into safely and, and legally and variety of things. And uh, that was great. And we were just getting to our site and um, we had there was a big van in our group. And this road was uh, sometimes something you could call a road. And uh, getting mostly there, the van got high centered on a big boulder. And, um, you know, there's a lot of digging and activities and trying not to get crushed by it. And I just went to walk a short distance away while we were doing that. And we weren't even at the site yet. And there it was, this, this snake that, you know, you know, when you're, when you're looking for a snake like that, you just picture in your head what that's gonna, what it's going to look like in person. And I'd, I'd purposely avoided seeing it in zoos. Like if there was one in a glass tank somewhere, I wouldn't go in like the Chiricahua Desert Museum. I went there for the first time last September because <laughs> uh, I've driven by a billion times. I've parked in the parking lot. I wouldn't go let my go inside because I didn't want to deny myself that experience of seeing that snake for the first time in the field. And uh, it was a big, beautiful adult. That's some serious. Episode. That's some serious. You, you uh, get that moment fewer and fewer yeah. times as you go. Yeah, and you want to protect that. I mean, the first black-tailed rattlesnake I ever saw was in a Burger King parking lot. Didn't <laughs> don't want to do that again with not with this one. So <laughs> that was just a, a moment of just pure joy. I just seen that I was super happy. Wow, so, wow. hard to top it. Yeah, and then uh, I was on that trip and we saw mm -hmm. a few more of those. And was yeah, but ten exciting. more of them. <laughs> ten, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I got yeah. my fill, and that was those. I thought it would be an ending there, but and I, mean, I never have to look for those buggers in the United States again. That's what I thought, but I'm going to the Palisades oh. in October because it's a sickness, as you know. No, the obsession continues. Yeah. So give us your worst herping experience. Um, that's also hard. It would be also last year. Um with you also in uh, Thailand. So, you know, wasn't, there's was no danger involved in this, but, uh, you know, it's a long flight to, uh, to Bangkok. So I dressed comfortably. I had some sweatpants on and some old track shoes and low socks and a t-shirt. And I did not know at the time that that would be what I'd be looking for cobras in in the jungle for, for several days. <laughs> um, my luggage did not arrive and all, you know, all the equipment, all that you, you, 
you need it. <laughs> You're going to go to a jungle. You need that stuff. And uh, I like my gear. I like the, I put a lot of time and effort into planning the, the closing and aware and the, the, the your, you know, when you're going to those things, your strategy for keeping batteries going and all that. That's, that's a plan you have to have. Backup cameras and all that stuff. And uh, when it became clear, you know, when you went to the baggage claim in, in Thailand and they're like, oh, well, as soon as I saw them looking up uh, the Chinese airport, shoot. <laughs> Other words were flowing. Yeah. So the Chinese. The Chinese had, they, there was something they didn't like in my bag. There was a, it was the batteries or something like that. They didn't like it. So they kept it. And, um, you know, we, we still hurt, but it was, it just, it wasn't as enjoyable. So it wasn't something to where I was terrified of something or injured or it was just this thing of like, well, I'm, I'm going to be herping in sweatpants for a few days in, in a very difficult area to herp <laughs> in general. But we did stop at a, a the dr- driver that was taking us out to the first site. Stopped at the uh, the Thailand equivalent of a Walmart, and a bunch of my good friends went on a. It was like that shopping market spree game show. <laughs> Everybody run in, grab whatever clothes you can find in Thailand for somebody that's six foot three and two hundred twenty pounds. <laughs> so I uh, I was dressed interestingly, and I think we'll they say. fell short of the mark, perhaps a bit. Yeah, some of those shirts were a little tight, and I brought one on this trip. We're in Mexico right now. And uh, that's one that'll always be one of my shirts. I've lost some weight afterwards, so I can actually fit into that shirt. But it's just this ridiculous looking. I was wearing uh, pleated uh, nylon polyester um, <laughs> pants that were still they're super tight, super tight. Uh, you and were you were one sexy dude for it a was, while. Uh, it was it was silly. My bag did come eventually after a lot of negotiating with the Chinese government with one bar of service in the middle of the jungle. And I was happy to get that too, but that was uh, my heart sunk very, very low yeah. when uh, when it seemed that this trip that I've been dreaming of my whole life was not going to be quite as expected. But but that was that was a, a low moment. But it all worked out. It worked out amazingly. Yeah. It was good. And now I got some awesome shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you do. Uh, I wouldn't wear any of them, but yeah, they were awesome. The pants, <laughs> the pants I threw away. But, and I don't wear them outside of the, the people. The, when I go meet up with you guys that were there on that trip, I wear that, that shirt. But other than that, it stays in the closet, deep, deep in the closet. Well, after having one bag delay experience, uh, I decided that I would roll up a pair of, of the normal herping pants. Uh, one shirt, pair of pants, pair of socks, pair of underwear. Roll them all up, put them in my carry-on. Yeah, I learned that lesson. Though. Jam them in there just in case because you just never know. Yeah. Uh, you just never know what somebody's yeah. not going to like about your luggage. Lessons for the future. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I am once again talking to you from my picnic table studio here at Pine Hills Campground, close to Snake Road in southern Illinois. And this morning we're recording another segment in our best worst series, or maybe it's our worst best series. I'm not sure. But this morning I am talking with Phil Rezin. And Phil and his brother and a buddy are down here, uh, been down here for a few days doing the Snake Road thing, and they come from uh, Rockford, Illinois, correct? Yes, sir. Welcome to the show, Phil. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you. So, would you like to go with your worst or your best? 
I think because we're right here at Snake Road and my worst experience is here, or, <laughs> you know, one of my worst experiences is here, uh, we could start here. Uh, we were staying, you know, right up the road there, not quite where we're at here, but, you know. In the campground? In the campground, just yeah. up around the bend there in one of the more secluded spots. And we uh, just seemed to struggle all weekend. Got down here late, uh, tried to set the tent up at night. As some of you may know, the ground's kind of rocky in some spots here, and we were already missing a few of the stakes from our tent. So we didn't think it'd be a big deal. We left after work, and work work ended at 6. So we got down here at, Ooh. I think, 12.30 maybe. But we were in you know high spirits, had the campground to ourselves, got the stakes we did have pretty well in, kind of uh, half-assed, I guess. As <laughs> best you could. Yeah, best I could. <laughs> Anyway, we didn't put the rain fly on because, you know, that was another 15 minutes, and it was actually a new tent uh, on that trip, and uh, we were regretting that later. We <laughs> ended up getting rained on for probably, I, I would bet, 48 of the 72 hours it was raining here. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and uh, you would think, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. Somebody that's an Eagle Scout would know where to put a tent, and uh, it's tougher at dark in my defense. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we didn't put it in the right spot. It was definitely in a place where the water was flowing. So not only were we getting sprinkled from above, but we, even by that, the end of that first night, we had water running underneath the tent. So, uh, it, so you pitched your tent in the middle of a stream, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite the <laughs> Creek back there, but like one of the channels that, you know, obviously this runs over to the Creek and yeah, right under us. So, you know. It's actually not the first time I've done that, you know. <laughs> I did that up in Tosomas as a as a Boy Scout growing up, but uh, yeah. And now we we pay a little more attention, you know. Yeah. There's nothing like having all of your stuff wet for the entire trip. Yeah, yeah. They uh, do have. We took it somewhere to get it done here to just wash everything, not wash it, but dry it. So uh, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, that was a godsend. I don't know what we would have done otherwise. Oh, like a laundromat. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's not much of that around. <laughs> no, no. And this was probably 12 years ago when I feel like there wasn't, or maybe I just, I wasn't as familiar with, you know, all the stuff around here, you know, what right. you can get to if you drive in the right direction. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we were kind of freaking out uh, that night, but we didn't, you know, let it ruin the trip. You know, we still hit the road. It was still pretty productive, but, yeah, you know, it, it was... Uh, a learning experience, I guess, is all you could say. Yeah. Well, it's a long way to come just to give up. So you can't give up. Exactly. <laughs> you know, go from such high spirits to just broken in like five hours, probably less than that. So. Oh, man. Yeah, and it happens. I mean, you don't always get the good weather that you want. Um, I mean, down here, you want the cool morning with a sunny afternoon and yeah. make things pop and make things happen and uh, make the snakes come out. And you don't always get that, so. No, and that's that's kind of what it is, is you got to, you know, roll the dice. You got to be down here <laughs> for something crazy to happen. You know, you're not yeah. going to find that one species or whatever that you're looking for if you're not, you know, you don't got a dog in the fight or, a, you know. Yeah. A, you know. <laughs> well, you can always come back next year and try again. That is uh, <laughs> what the motto is for us. <laughs> next year. Next year. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, I wandered over i was gonna see what your plans were on a day like today you know milky skies yeah i'm not feeling it this morning no no 
Well, we're going to go walk the road for a little bit. We have some friends who are here from St. Louis who sure. have never been on snake roads. So we're going to, it will probably scare up a few snakes this morning, but That's, it's not going to be the barn burner it was yesterday and the day before. I heard, I was here yesterday and the day before, and I heard Monday and Tuesday was the real barn burner. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. That's what Jeremy said. Hmm. Well, I missed that one. So yeah, I did too. <laughs> Next year. I, I was quite happy with yesterday and the day before. Good. Well, tell us your best story. My best story, man. Uh, a few kind of come to mind, some of them down here, but I'll go with going to Arizona. Um, you know, we, we flew in, we stayed in, you know, a few different places. We stayed in Portal, uh, we stayed in Tubac, and then we stayed up in Tucson, and it was just me and my wife. And was it your first trip there? It was my first trip to Arizona, and it was, you know, one of the big spots I wanted to go. And I knew some people that had been there, so I, you know, tried to pick their brains, and I kind of knew that the desert might really whoop my butt. <laughs> uh, basically, I, I, I wasn't setting my sights as high as they as i think they would have been maybe years past because I, I went to the everglades and uh i tend to go there annually i tend to miss it a little early every year and i've just had my butt whooped so many times down there <laughs> that i decided to set my my sights lower in arizona and uh i did miss on almost all my target species but the fact that everything was new pretty much a lifer every time i found something it made it really cool. Uh, I got a Gila monster that I didn't, I thought it was great. Of course, I took some pictures and posted it online and it was, uh, people really liked it. I mean, it was apparently a real high black Gila. I got, you know, uh, just had great finds. My wife found a snake for the first time. Oh, cool. Yeah. We cruised some stuff. We, you know, spent a little time in each area and it was just it's one of the places I want to get back to the most. And we actually had it planned for April, but ah, yeah, COVID kind of yeah. uh, ruined that. So. Is, it, is it one of those things where you get there and pretty quickly you're like, well, we got to do this again. I know I'm doing this again. Yeah, yeah. Like I would bet I was flying in and we flew into like Phoenix or something because we flew out of Rockford and it only went to one place. And our first place we were staying was Portal. And my wife was like, Phil, you're an idiot. You know, you're flying in. You're going to spend half the time driving by this plan here. But it was my trip. And I was like, you know, I don't want to hear it. So then uh, we did. We drove like four hours in. And on the drive into Portal, you can see the Sky Islands, you know, rising up. It's it's still what I would call, you know, as a you know person from the Great Corn Desert, classic desert. So, you know, you're driving in and you see the desert and then you see, you know, kind of the just these big mountains coming up out of it. And yeah, the I, north I, end of the Chiricahuas there. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, that was, I was like, well, first off, I was on high alert because it was like dusk and I was like, we're going to cruise some snakes on the way in. I yeah. guarantee it. And we didn't. We saw the tarantulas ah. marching on the road. Mm -hmm. and, you know, typically when the invertebrates are, you can see like, you know, the woolly bears or whatever. Not that necessarily they were down there, but typically when the invertebrates are moving, I feel like, hey, some of the cold blood is going to be, yeah. you know, not far behind. And yeah. we didn't get anything on the way in, but I dropped my wife off and she was like, you know, I don't think I'll go, you know, cruising tonight. You know, we've been doing a lot of it's driving. It's a long day. Yeah. Long, long day. And I was like, okay, well, 
bye. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, I, I love my wife. We had, that's part of the reason I chose that for my favorite trip is because we had a lot of fun there, you know, just, you know, early morning herp, midday you know, pool, evening herp, go to bed, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Um, but what, what was I saying right before that? With the, oh, well, you're talking about uh, road cruising that, that first yeah, night. Yeah, the first yeah. night I got a uh, couple Western Diamondbacks right in the little place I was staying, and then a uh, uh, Blacktail. Oh, nice. Both of which, you know, were, I would bet I found three snakes in fifteen my first 15 minutes, <clears throat> and I was really thinking, oh, maybe I, I undersold this place. Maybe I am just going to be <laughs> stumbling into these all day. And actually, those were the only three snakes I found all night. And uh, as, as, as it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't for lack of trying because I was out there like a good two, two, two hours after that. But, yeah, really, really just a rewarding experience. And that first cruising in and that first night, I was like, I, I'm coming back. This is, <laughs> this is. Yeah. And it's so beautiful over there. It is. You wouldn't expect the the you know, myriad of colors and stuff. Yeah. The, the rock is just. And I feel like, to be honest, and this is how I feel lots of times after I go to a new place, that I just absolutely could have done better. Mm. As far as like, I should have stopped. You know, especially if I'd have brought, say, my brother or my cousin, who you've seen me down here mm -hmm. with sometimes. But if we'd have stopped and like checked out the road cuts and you know maybe not called it early a few nights, maybe done some things that I was kicking around, but I didn't want to do by myself. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I know I missed the bus on a few things, but yeah, that's part of it, you know, is, is yeah. seeing your mistakes and wanting to come yeah. back. And you learn and you're like, next time I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Next time I was right here. I should have just done this too. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Gives you something to look forward to. It does. I was ready to go in April. I was. Uh. So maybe next year you'll head back. Right? I, I think so. Because typically I can convince my wife to get on a plane with me like once a year. <laughs> and, and depending on everything else, you know, I might have to make some promises as far as like we will lay by the beach or we will, you know, do this yeah. for you. But <clears throat> I, I can convince her to go on a herping trip once a year. So cool. And she liked it as yeah. far as, you know, everything. Uh, she had a great time there. So well, she'd be ready to yeah, come back. That's good. That's win-win, right? Everybody yep. has a good time. And uh, everybody has something to look forward to the next time you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for, number one, I want to thank you for coming on the show and no talking problem. worst best, uh, which uh, these these stories I'm getting are, I'm just enjoying the heck out of, of hearing these things. And uh, uh, it's good to see you again. And I will see you again down here next year <laughs> oh assuredly yeah i mean it seems like yeah for the longest time i'd heard of you never ran into you but the last few years yeah it seems like we've been dialing up the same weekend so <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure it'll happen again it's funny because i didn't see you you i was walking on the road and i didn't see you and i hear is that mike <laughs> was that me yeah it was you, you oh, were no. like, oh yeah you must yeah. have heard my voice well, or something I, I was like i could hear my brother and jesse talking to people regularly and then i kind of got a glimpse and i was like I, I thought i heard you say something about me and i was like yeah that's mike and uh yeah it's you know it's always nice to connect with you you're famous down here so uh, you know well, i've been coming down here forever yeah so. but i could get a big kick out of coming down uh bringing new people down here that's a yeah. big thing 
and also just you know connecting with folks like you and other other people that I, I see once or twice a year and I don't know who I'm going to run into but I'm going to run into somebody I know yeah I mean that's the same thing with the guy we brought down you know my brother loves it but the other person is Jesse and uh, he's never found a snake period so he was he found over 10 yesterday and was really excited he found a, a rough green snake that he just blew him away he, he just beaming and yeah he's you know i don't know if he'll ever be back don't get me wrong (laughs) but uh but yeah he seemed like he he checked that one off the list exactly he seemed like he really enjoyed it today so well thank you again phil no problem much appreciate mike hi everyone and once again i'm coming to you with the best worst herping trip scenario and Talking to us today is Matt Cage. Tell us, Matt, your best herping experience. I, uh, my best experience was was already showcased in a show, so I'm going to go to my second best experience. That would be the first best would be your Bushmaster. Correct. So you right. already got a show on that. So we're going to go yes. to number two, if that's okay with you. Don't say number two. Okay, sorry. All right. You're, I'm going <laughs> to go to a family my, show. Don't say number two. I'm going to go to my second best. Okay. There we experience. go. Uh, so I'd have to go back to 2008, and uh, I went with my dad to Australia for herping for three and a half weeks. And it was just the two of us, and we traveled together, and I had some of the greatest times, and I cherish those, min- those moments. Uh, he passed in 2012, four years after that. But I, I got three and a half weeks of pure herping in Australia with my dad and uh, a couple other good friends that we met along the way. And it was just incredible. So very um, good. Prob- the, the most memorable moment was uh, walking fog dam and uh, up on the North end near Darwin. And just, we found 30 water pythons uh, and various other herps. But, 30. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, easily. We could have gotten many more. And, um, it was just incredible. So, That's amazing. An, an incredible experience to, to share with, with my dad, and uh, it was great. Wow. I'm just thinking about all that time and all the things you saw. Uh, so now tell me your worst. And this is, I don't know what your worst is, uh, but I have a guess in my head, but we'll see what it is. So tell me your worst herping experience. Yeah, I've been waffling on what I was going to say with this. Um, the first thing that jumped in my head was the killer bees, but <laughs> which you, everybody here has heard the story. So, uh, so I'm not, I don't really want to rehash that, but that that was worse. But actually, after I realized I wasn't going to die with the killer bees, I mean, after that happened, like four minutes later, I was laughing um, because I was alive. So I'm going to go to, a, again, a different experience because that was sheer terrifying for a few minutes, but... Um, I'm going to go to a, a, a different story in Peru. Um, I was hiking with my good friend Courtney in Peru, and um, I slipped on some mud hiking in a creek bed, and I stabilized my – I slipped, and I was going down. I stabilized my hand, with my left hand on a tree trunk, which I thought would be fine, and I end up hitting a spiny palm. And they go deep into my hand, into the center of my palm, the palm into my palm, and uh, spines just deep into the fleshy. Every fleshy part of my hand was covered in spines, and I had a row of the deep ones that went halfway through my hand. Um, 
And so when you get those in, they break off, right? They, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And I immediately pulled away, and they all broke off. So I have, uh, I mean, 50 spines in my hand, including I couldn't tell how many were really deep, but it was bad, and I knew it was bad. So Courtney kind of took care of me, got me back to the station, and he and I, it was middle of the night um, in you know, the rainforest of the Peruvian Amazon, and we pulled, uh, used tweezers to pull them out. And I got all except the deep ones. I, there were six deep ones that were in that were right in the middle of of my palms on the back on the uh, palm side of my knuckles. And uh, though I couldn't get those out, I couldn't dig them out. And uh, so, uh, but I got all the rest of them out. Felt okay. Went to sleep. Woke up about six a.m. and my hand was the size of a softball. And uh, it was obviously infected. Inf- infection was starting, and it, those needed to come out. And uh, luckily, there was a nurse on the trip who, uh, who was a, the girlfriend of one of my friend Herpers. And uh, she only spoke Spanish, but she saw the issue, and she dug them out. So I had minor surgery on six uh, spines that were in my hand, and, and they each had to be dug out. Each were many millimeters under the surface. So they all had to be dug out, and every time one was pulled out, it was just like so refreshing. Because the the pain would go away once you, the pressure was off. The pain was incredible on each of those spines, and they were getting infected as as I was sitting there. I could see they were starting to to ooze, and it was it was getting bad. And that was only after you know uh, we're talking 10 a.m. So we're talking seven hours after it happened. So boy. Yeah. And and I, I know exactly what happened because I, I, too, have shaken hands with palm tree and is not good. The spiny palm and is not good. No. So. No, that was where I was worried I was going to end up in a hospital in Iquitos. I was uh, when when I saw my hand and, and the pain, I couldn't bend my hand. And I mean, I, obviously, there was something wrong with my hand. And uh, I was pretty sure I was going to be medevaced, uh, gotten out of there. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show and telling us. Uh, your best and worst, and, and if you're listening out there and you happen to go to the rainforest, just watch what trees you lean up against because uh, they're, not, they're not all friendly oaks and maples down there. No, they bite. <laughs> they bite back, yeah. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everyone. I'm back with another Best Worst segment. And today on Best Worst, we're talking with Marissa Ishimatsu. Hi, Mike. Good to talk to you. I'm I'm happy to have you on the show. the The premise of this is to find out your best experience with amphibians and reptiles, and then your worst experience. And uh, so, I will give you the option. You can give me your best first or your worst first. What would you like to give me? I think I'll do my worst first. Get it out of the way. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. Give us your worst experience in the field or just whatever it is with in regards to herps. Yeah. So uh, I will do a mini one and a, and a real one. They both have to do with the same thing. And I hope this serves as a warning to people to be more prepared than I was. So uh, once uh, my trip to Peru in 2015, I believe it was, um, I decided to go hiking alone down the long trail at Madre Selva, and I was hiking for a while, and I didn't notice the last turn. It was starting to get dark, and I got utterly lost in the Amazon rainforest, completely and totally lost. No idea where I was, 
and um, I ended up hearing the generator and I waded through the flooded forest just towards the generator. And I have never been so happy to hear the sound of a generator in my entire life because I just headed in that direction and I ended up okay. And um, Patty Bartlett, bless her heart, I stumbled into the dining tent, dining tombo while you guys were eating. And I just collapsed and started sobbing. <laughs> and she came over <laughs> and comforted me. But yeah, never get lost in the Amazon rainforest and always know where you're going. That is my first worst story, my mini story. Yeah. And uh, that was well, a bad good. one. <laughs> no. You got to learn that you got to know the trails and uh, maybe maybe take somebody with you. Yeah, that was that was a scary one. Um, it's the only like the first time in my life I've ever truly felt lost. Uh, the second one was, uh, I was, I went out hiking with, uh, Alex and I think it was about 2017, 2016, maybe. And we went to a mountain range in the South of the Bay where there's known to be uh, California mountain king snakes, Lampopaltis sonata. And we, he knew of where we were going and he thought, you know, there was this like rock field that he wanted to get to. I didn't know it was going to involve literally an all day hike the first part of which was 2000 feet down a basically vertical bank. So we scrambled all the way down this bank, all the way to the Creek bottom at the, at the very bottom of, of the slope. Um, you know, basically skiing the whole way down. It was terrible. We got to the bottom and then it was about a mile hike up the river. There was no trail. So it was like scrabbling over rock piles, waiting in the creek. Uh, some of the hardest, hottest, worst hiking I've ever done. Uh, it was tons of poison oak, which I still don't get, but I'm not going to count my blessings on that one. Uh, and it was awful. We never found a, a Zonata. We ended up, we found a road that came down into the creek bottom. So we started following that up. Ended up in like an old set of shacks that looked very culty not okay quite scary kept following the road up because at this point we were all out of water out of food it was hot uh, it was about to get dark um came up and heard barking dogs got surrounded by pit bulls and uh there was a guy with no teeth who came out of his shack to yell at us to get off of his property. We told him how we got down there. He said, you're going to have to go back the same way. And this was about six hours into our hike. So six hours back would have been in the dark. Ooh. And uh, I started crying. <laughs> it was <laughs> me, Alex. I think Zach Lim was the third person with us. And yeah, I started crying and he said, okay, okay. Uh, let me see if I can fire up my truck. I haven't fired it up in three years. I don't have a license. So, oh my gosh. Uh, and we just started walking up the road in front of him and uh, ended up getting picked up by um, a hunting outfitters that was out there. And they took us back to their trailers, gave us food and water. I've a bologna sandwich has never tasted so sweet. And then gave us a ride, <laughs> a ride back to our, our truck. And I was tired and hot and pretty traumatized by that it was a really bad experience um yeah it was very real that we could have died down there if we had gotten bitten by one of the rattlesnakes or something but didn't even uh -huh. find the freaking target which was awful um, <laughs> and on the way back uh, my now husband uh, called me and said that his childhood best friend had procured tickets to a drag production of sister act 
but I had to get back to the city immediately. So I drove all the way to the city. We've been trying to hang out with this friend for a while, but he was always busy. So this was like my one chance to impress one of Daklin's friends. And uh, I show up in my hiking boots, my jacket or my sweatshirt. I didn't even have time to wash my hands. So he wanted to shake my hand when I walked into the theater. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm covered in poison oak. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't have a filter because I was so tired and, and anxious. So I said some things I shouldn't have said to this guy uh, without thinking about what I was saying. And I ruined the friendship between him oh. and Daklin. I haven't really talked since. <laughs> oh, man. So oh. that was that's how I almost died while looking for Zonata and... Yeah, almost getting attacked by pit bulls, almost getting attacked by uh, a gentleman with no teeth and uh, ruined a friendship, a childhood friendship of my husband's. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, if you can't be if you can't be a shining example to others, you can always be a warning. Right. Exactly right. Always take enough food, <laughs> always take enough water. You know, they make those life straws and water purification kits so small and light. Just put one in your pack. So you always have the chance yeah. to get water. That's what I do now. Yeah. I always have a flashlight and an yeah. extra cliff bar. Yeah, me too. Cliff bar, life straw, all that. Yep, yeah. That's right. So give us your best story. What I will say about about herping and being a photographer is that every trip is amazing because there's always something to shoot. There's always something to see and there's always something to experience. So it's really hard for me to pick one trip that was just amazing or one experience uh, from catching my anaconda in the Amazon. That was pretty spectacular swimming with uh, pink river dolphins in Peru under a rainbow. That actually happened. It was my Lisa Frank moment. It was amazing. Um, Are you sure that wasn't like a cartoon you watched? <laughs> Seriously though. I actually have a photo of a buffet pink dolphin under a rainbow. Wow. <laughs> So yeah. I, I just, I think my best moments in herping is literally every international trip I've been on. Um, Cape York in Australia really, really stands out. That was a wonderful trip with Carrie Nelson and his childhood friend Marshall. And we got this beast of a Land Rover Defender uh, with snorkel kit and everything and just busted all the way up to the top of Cape York, Cape York from Cairns. And we found green tree pythons and platypus and like it was the, the the bad season and we still got tons of amethystine pythons and it was so wonderful and such a cool trip and australia is spectacular and i can't wait to get back we got a cassowary on the beach um and i got Ooh. to dive the great barrier reef it was just spectacular so did that's you get to meant. use the snorkel that's that's what i want to know did you I get to did. use the snorkel on the land rover we wow. uh, we had a couple river cross crossings that were a little hairy, and uh, yes, we had to use a snorkel at one point. So, um, so when you go to the to the rental car place, you can rent a Land Rover with a snorkel. That's literally the only kind of cars that they would rent us is, um, and most of the wow. cars that uh, that you see on the roads up there all have snorkel attachments. It's very rare you see like a little passenger car. Most of them are SUVs with snorkels. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yeah, did you get it? You got to drive the vehicle then, or? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was the only one who could yeah. drive stick. So. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Awesome. So I, was, I was the chauffeur, right. and dodging road trains and everything. All right. Yeah. Advantage Marissa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'd say Very a close, cool. 
second to that, or maybe this just as good was that island hopping trip that we got to do in, in, uh, in Baja, where we snorkeled with whale sharks and found every insular, every endemic island species of rattlesnake, and from Estebanensis to Tortugensis to uh, Anhalensis and the now defunct Muertensis. It was amazing. Oh my god, that trip is so cool. So yeah, it's hard to pick one, isn't it? It really is. Each one is so different and so amazing and so incredibly memorable. Yeah, well, it sounds like Australia may have got you by the by the throat a little bit. Yeah, I still I'm I'm still looking up houses <laughs> in the Cape York region because <laughs> I that's a that's a oh. dream move right there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing the, the your best and your worst, and uh, it's been kind of fun talking to you. Look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Sure, I look forward to this episode coming out. I really want to hear everybody else's best and worst. <laughs> oh man, I got a bunch of them, and uh, there's some good ones. <laughs> yeah, I look forward well, to they're all them. good, actually. They're all good. So, okay, thanks, Marissa. Thank you, Mike. Okay, I'm sitting here with Sean Vaught, and we're doing our best and worst interview session. And so, Sean, tell me your best herp experience. Um, so my best herp experience was probably down in Southern Sonora, Mexico. And my ultimate goal on this particular trip was to find the beaded lizard and, and not find it on the road, but to actually find it in the field and hike one up basically. And so, um, we had, we'd found a wash and that went through this, uh, you know, this tropical rainforest, more or less, and walking this wash and, and I'm just scanning back and forth, uh, looking in every crevice, looking in, you know, hollow trees, just trying to get a glimpse of this lizard. And after it hiked for maybe an hour, hour and a half, um, I scan it back and forth. I scan to my left and underneath a rocky overhang, of uh, some limestone there was a a huge beaded lizard that was tucked up in there and um not moving just uh hoping that we'd walk by and and not notice it and um, that was probably the moment um that just the adrenaline and the excitement you know seeing your target and in the way that i found it was probably my It was my best surf experience to that point Um, and and possibly still is to this point now. So um, there's been a lot, but that that one really stands clear in my mind. And did you get to handle the beaded lizard at all or just leave it there where you found it? I did. I handled it for a moment. Um, not, Not too invasive, but I did get a chance to touch it and yeah. Very strong animals, very uh, underestimated the strength uh, at first. Very strong animal. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and so you don't need to handle every beaded lizard, but no. you, you kind of do your first. first one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Very, very good. Cool experience. Yeah. It's interesting that, that you kind of knew your, your answer right away when I asked you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now tell me your worst herping experience. <laughs> Yeah, my worst was definitely in Florida. 
I was on, I was road cruising. I was the driver. I had two other people in the vehicle with me and we were just getting started and uh, we were going to make our first pass on this road that we hadn't cruised before. And it was a very straight road that went out towards the coast and um, ended, actually ends at the ocean. And um, we were looking for a variety of uh, species on this road. Uh, my main target on this day was the eastern diamondback rattlesnake. Um, it, was, it was known from this road and from this area and um, really wanted to find one. Um, so we were driving along. It was getting, it was, it was dusk. Well, it was a little better than dusk. It was twilight and um, kind of the magic hour. Um, those other road cruising herpers know what I'm talking about when I say the magic hour. Um, so it was the beginning of that period. And there was a small snake on the road, um, definitely a tricolor of some kind. So I throw the car into park. I mean, hit the brakes first, of course. And then I throw the car into park. And we bail out of the car like herpers do. Um, I'd straddled the, uh, the, the snake, so um, the car was in front of us. We had to run back behind the car to uh, the snake. And it was a beautiful um, scarlet king snake, just beautiful. We'd seen a few others on this particular trip, and it was by far the best. And uh, um, one of the other guys um, that was riding with me had picked it up and was holding it out and was like, just look at this thing. And about that moment, he handed it to me. About that moment, I was slammed from the back. I, I was standing between them two uh, other guys and they were, on each, they were flanking me on each side. And, and I got slammed in the back and knocked down. And then before I knew it, I was being drugged by a car uh, the car that I was driving actually was was driving <laughs> in oh reverse. So the so the gear it had an automatic gear and it had popped into reverse and it was very silent. It was a very quiet car. So and you had, you had put it in park. I put it in park. Yeah. And what was funny about that is the day before um, I had stopped and uh, for a snake and i'd put it in the park but i stayed in the car and let one of the other guys jump out to you know chase the snake and while i was sitting there that car the shift gear shift bumped into reverse right in front of me while i was sitting there i still had my foot on the brake wow but i saw it happen and i didn't think much of it but i thought that was you know interesting or whatever i must not have had it in all the way and so the very next night that happened um, unfortunately, while I was behind it, my back to it. And so, yeah, it, it knocked me down to my knees and then it proceeded to drag me. Um, I kind of got pulled underneath when I was holding onto the bumper and uh, the car was moving. And uh, the other two guys that were on the sides of me actually got hit by it as well, but they got thrown to the sides. And I was trapped underneath it. Um, my one leg was wedged against the muffler or the tailpipe. And uh, then I was, I was being drugged, and I could feel my clothes ripping oh my gosh. <laughs> and tearing off as it was dragging me on this oh road, gosh. this paved, paved road. And I was able to push with all my might. I pushed myself, my back against the ground, because I had rolled over. I, I was on my, 
stomach at first, but I'd rolled over onto my back and I was holding onto the bumper and I used all I could to just basically try to bench press the car and push my back into the ground, which wasn't very comfortable because my clothes were tore off and it was just bare skin rubbing on the road. And, and I was able to stop the car Wow! before it went off. I was about to go off the shoulder and the shoulder had a fairly, fairly steep incline and who knows what it had happened if that had, if that had happened because I mean that that would have taken all of the um, uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to hold on I don't think and right. then there would have been a lot of bad things could happen so just a few feet shy of going off the shoulder I was able to stop the car and uh, the other two guys that had gotten knocked down they they'd run over and and asked me if I was okay and I didn't know if I was or not yet. Um, but I, I told the one, I said, just get this car off me. And, uh, so he, he got in and he drove it forward and pulled it off me. And I was able to stand up, made sure I didn't have any broken bones. Um, the tailpipe had created a nice gash into my leg. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and then the road rash that I had was pretty horrific on my back. In fact, I still have scars from it. Um, so they were able to take me to the hospital, the local hospital, which was about 45 minutes away, and got patched up, got some stitches in my leg from where the tailpipe was going in, and it was hot. So it was oh funny because when I stood up, I looked at the gash, and it was deep, but it wasn't bleeding. Because it was cauterized. But it cauterized, oh yeah. The, the tailpipe had cauterized the wound. And so there's just, you know, it was just a big gash in my leg, and then, then my back felt like it was on fire where the road rash was and i'll tell you if you haven't had road rash don't know how to explain it but just they have to clean it out and they have to oh. clean out the gravel and everything that gets pushed up underneath your skin and oh. and they scrub it and it feels like they're pouring battery acid onto open wounds it, it's absolutely horrible um i can see why that was has that's, 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 that's by far my worst experience herping but we still had I think four days left of this particular trip and I wasn't going to let it bring me down so we missed out on most of road cruising that night the very next day after you know we got back got to a hotel and they had me patched up I knew I was going to be sore and it was going to be uncomfortable but I sucked it up and we finished strong and um, I didn't I didn't shy away from anything that I couldn't do otherwise. So sure, yeah. I so kept, what kind of car was that? It was a Honda, and I can't remember what what model because it was. Because we all want to stay away from that. Yes, you do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and it actually happened the next day after this all happened. The next day, it popped into reverse again, but we weren't. Yeah, you know, we were sitting in it when it did it. But I was like, yeah, it did it again. So when we returned it to the uh, car dealer, I mentioned that it likes to pop out of gear and and they didn't say much but i i didn't pursue anything with the car or the model or whatever i mean i guess i could have probably tried to reclaim some medical expenses yeah. but i didn't i just uh moved on and i just hope it doesn't happen to anybody else <laughs> me too <laughs> me too wow so yeah wild. it was rough but it was definitely an experience <laughs> wow well, thanks for coming on the show and yeah. uh, relating that to us. So sure. I, I can't top that. No, that was tough. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> okay. I'm talking with Brandon Vaught. Uh, Brandon, you're from Utah, and uh, you're 
yeah, junior high, you're in eighth grade, yep. and uh, herping for quite a while, and yep. herping your family. Mm -hmm. So tell us, what is your best herping experience so right. far? Um, so probably my best herping experience so far. So me and my dad this spring actually we we went we took a road run down to south southern Arizona to find some different phases of speckled rattlesnakes. So we went down there and the first day, like Phoenix area, we got a a blue faced speckled rattlesnake and that was really cool. And saw a couple of H rocks in that wash too. Um, then the next day we went to another spot and we found some white speckled rattlesnakes and they were very cool. Wow. Yeah. And we looked for some pink ones. We didn't see any of those though. And then on our last day we had dro driven up to Utah and there, there's a small area where there's speckled rattlesnakes in Utah. And me and my dad, we had hiked this area so many times looking for these speckled rattlesnakes and we had never seen one in Utah. And when we got there, the conditions weren't very good. It was really windy. So we, we just looked uh, on Google Earth, found a wash that we decided to hike. So we hiked this wash, hiked up it quite a ways, found a couple ground snakes. And then on the way down, when we were about to give up, we stumbled across this big male speckled rattlesnake. It was kind of a light pink tannish, but this thing's head was huge. It was amazing. It was just coming down from the top of this hill and... After we got some pictures of it right there, we watched we watched it from a distance, and we saw it do its own thing. It was crawling through some rocks. And it went down a hole in this rock outcrop with rock jumbles on top, and it was very cool. Cool. Uh, I safe to say, speckle rattlesnakes are one of your favorites. Yeah, they're they're one of my favorites. Seem yeah. to come in so many cool color combinations. Yeah. So you have you still have a few shades of specks to find then. Yeah. yeah. You find to put together a collage of all the different. Like photos of the different yeah. color phases. Yeah. That'd be well, that's cool. Um, so, uh, do you have a worst herb trip story? I mean, you know, you're, I don't want to say you're just getting started, but uh, you've got a long, long yeah. way to go here. Maybe you don't have a worst herping story yet. I can't think of one. So, you're one, you're one of the lucky herpers. Yeah. It's all been upside for you. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Uh -huh. But uh, I got a feeling knowing. Your mom and dad, I got a feeling that you'll be ready to handle whatever it is, is the worst herping trip, um, herping experience. I'm sure you'll be ready to handle it, whatever it is. So, probably in some remote place. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, well, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about it. Yeah. John Burris, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you again. Always great to be with you. And today we're talking to you about... Best worst. So give me your best herping experience. You know, it's hard to say like an individual snake or an instance that I've had that stands out as much as uh, maybe a specific trip. And I've had wonderful trips to Costa Rica and South Texas and Arizona, Apalachicola. Uh, but the Peru trip with you and Matt really stands out the most. And I'm not paying you to say that. No, you're not paying me. <laughs> I think the reason it stands out the most is just the timing in my life. My son was moving to Texas, and so I was becoming a true empty nester. Yeah. Uh, coming back to home all by myself. So when I went to Peru, uh, I had met you before, uh, but I got to know you a lot more on that trip. I had never met Matt. 
never met Tim, and I just, like I say, that time of my life, you guys became family. Uh, also, the reason that's probably the best herping experience for me is it's led to so many more. Yeah. Uh, we're in Baja Sur today because I went to Peru in January. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got to go to New Jersey. Yeah. Got to go to Arizona earlier in the year. Um, so those trip or that trip has brought on so much more that uh, brings just great moments every time. Yeah, if you're willing to be open to new experiences. Um, Absolutely. It so can just flow. I think the Peru, Peru trip, again, because of the time of my life, uh, and I consider you guys all family now, uh, so it's not so much like being an empty nester. Yeah. I yeah. got back from that trip. It was perfect because I moved my son to Texas and went to Peru. <laughs> Didn't have to go home alone after that. So being with you guys and adding the new family was Probably the herping trip of my life. Well, that's just great. I'm glad to hear. I'm, I'm, it was so, it's so good to get to know you better down there. And uh, I also enjoy bringing people down there and just, uh, I enjoy helping to give them new experiences and, um, and standing back and watching them uh, get their minds blown. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I yes. think that trip does that for everyone, right? It's, it's just so much. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, even as part of that trip, uh, one morning... You know, I, I was a little bit concerned with being such a big group. And you think that, well, we're going to have 12 people hiking on a trail. But the way it's set up, you can go out by your own. You can skip a night. You can go extra, get up early in the morning. Uh, one morning I was up. Everybody was doing different things. So I went out, walked around the pond, and got a rainbow boa. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the most exciting things, even though they're somewhat common there. Uh, just something that you never think you're going to be able to walk up on yourself. Yeah. Uh, and that was just, again, as part of that Peru trip, but one of those hurt moments that will last forever. Yeah. Having done kind of the same thing myself, you know, morning hikes, uh, small group, seeing my first rainbow boa off trail, looking over and going, oh, yeah, it's a pretty special moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Totally I, I have it. a regret about that moment in that I've got this four to five foot rainbow boa there. And my first instinct was I grabbed it and I'm like, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I could have taken plenty of pictures, uh, but I've tried to learn not to do that. So yeah. much. It's an exciting moment, right? And you Definitely. don't want the snake to get away. So yeah. And it wasn't going to get away. <laughs> no, no. I, well, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that trip also taught me uh, that it isn't just all about the snakes that uh, I finally did get to sit down with people, talk to people, meet new people. I think I've in only really been herping hard again for the last five years. And uh, it's always been snake, 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 you know, to the next place to look. Uh, but that trip, you, we sat down, we had dinner together. Uh, you know, again, the, the best group of people uh, and learning uh, about them. And uh, it just did kind of change herping for me. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I enjoy the, the get it coming together for meals and you, you get to know. It's hard not to make new friends. You sit down, you break bread with people, you, you share your experiences, and then, and then you're friends. Absolutely. If you weren't friends before. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's a great, it's multidimensional, right? Yes. Yeah. So, good. I'm glad to hear it and I'm happy to be a, a, a co-enabler <laughs> for that for you. Yeah. So tell me your worst herping experience. 
You know, this has been hard for me to really think of because I've been exceptionally lucky. Uh, I'm still of the opinion that a bad herping day is better than a good day in the office. Yes. After hearing some other stories, that may not always be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the only thing that I could really think of is, uh, you know, if we take our kids out, we always want them to have a great experience. And uh, I try to take, if not a week, uh, a long weekend with my oldest son. He's a special needs kid, uh, but not all that horrible. Or, you know, he can definitely get around. He's physically fine. Uh, and last fall, I took him out and we went to Kentucky. And in, with my watch, I could see that we walked between 12 and 13 miles that day. Wow. We probably flipped several hundred pieces of tin and we found one brown snake. <laughs> so, Oof. yeah, that was a rough one. We were very exhausted. We worked extremely hard. It was great weather, uh, just the unpredictability of fall. And again, just to, uh, my son still had a great time. We yeah. very much enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, but it was, it was difficult going 10 to 10 to 10 and not having anything underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Well, after a while, you're like, what's going on? Yes. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like, you know, I've had bee stings is the worst thing that's happened uh, other than maybe being skunked on a trip. Um, the other thing to realize is just like everything in life, sometimes those times make you appreciate the days that there's something under every piece of tin. That you yeah. Put. Yeah. And there will be those days. They'll come. Yes. Well, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the show and, and letting us uh, in a little peek into your best and worst. Well, thank you, Mike. All right. Very good. Well, here we are again with our Best Worst series, and today I'm talking with Pat Kane. Hi, Pat. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Pat and I are, are just wrapping up uh, a week uh, in Mexico, and uh, we shared a car and drove a lot of miles around and uh, had a pretty good time. Here at the very end of it, I thought I'd try to get in one more Best Worst uh, episode. You're from... Louisiana, you currently live in the Mobile area, correct? Alabama, and um, managed to make it down here on the heels of the hurricane, yeah. which is pretty cool. A little rocky there in the beginning. Yeah, not sure if I was going to make it. Yeah, but but here you are, so we're glad you made it. So, why don't you tell me your best herping experience? Can I have a little latitude? Um, sure. I'm, I'm thinking my best moment was. The Yucatan trip, when we found that big, beautiful Mexican milk snake, Yucatan milk, that was that was like stands out as just as far as a moment because we we were that was our target, and there was a lot of high fives and <laughs> a lot of yelling um, when we found that. that. So that was that was a great and moment. that that was the giant one. Was that the, yeah. the really big one, the fifty-four inch one? Yeah, big giant, beautiful. Beautiful animal. Um, that's probably the best moment I can think of. But as far as the best experience, and, and I'm thinking, so this is kind of like a longer term. Well, let's talk um, about that milk snake for a moment. Okay. Um, 54 inches. And there's a picture of me with it. I'm sure there's a picture of you with it somewhere, but I know I have a picture of it. Sure. And I'm holding it, and it, it its head is next to my shoe. And, you know, it's almost up to my up to my chin. So that's how we how we know... Well, we, I think we measured it too. Such yeah. a, it was such an incredible size, and 
that animal could basically eat anything smaller than it, than its size. Yeah, not, not typically what you expect from a milk snake. No, no. Absolutely. And powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, very, very just vibrant colors and just a strong snake. It's yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's not like your, you know, your 28-inch... <laughs> Your 28-inch milk from you name it, that's kind of, you know. And those are great, too. Yeah, but this thing was. Yeah, you just don't find that. This was a fortune of nature, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing was, it was a beast, and it was. So that was a big deal for you and and Armin and a lot of people on that trip. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, the whole thing played in with the, you know, with the corals and all, you know, just being scared. Even though we knew what it was, it's like. Mm. <laughs> yeah yeah when you're in other countries you yeah. should think twice about that's picking right. up banded it's snakes like, we find something new it's like yep that's that's venomous uh, <laughs> so yeah. but yeah that was that was a pretty exciting moment um, okay well tell me about more of a, an experience so the experience that comes to mind we were in arizona in the uh, sandias mountains we had driven past this one place several times uh, we were going back to this place we we termed uh, Stonehenge or Wallhenge is what we call it from is what we call the Wallhenge and uh, we were looking for rock rattlesnakes and so that's that's kind of one of my favorites right so I really like the rock rattlesnakes and, and we did find one or two of them and 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 some other things right but we did a lot of night hiking and um, it was productive but and we camped out some places but we had driven past this one little place. Never even given it a second look. And on the way out, my friend and my son are in a car behind us. And we kind of lost them. We turned around. They had actually got to this spot. And my friend looks over and he sees a coach whip head sticking out of these this little pile of rocks. So they stop and get out and try and go catch it. And so while they're, they're looking for it, you know, to hear this buzz... Uh-oh. And my son looks behind him, and there's a lepidus. And so they get the lepidus. We come back because they didn't, you know, we were waiting down the trail for them. They didn't come down. And we go back there. And so then we start looking, and there's like, there's a lepidus. There's a lepidus. They're all over the place. Wow. You know, we found at least four or five of them in this one little area. And this is this little little rock pile. It's a, it's a long uh, kind of wall type thing which we have uh, since named Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts. Yeah, because we've gone back to this place over and over again. We camp out by it. It's right by a stream. It's just perfect little place. And so we get to camp out, and you wake up in the morning, and you walk 50 yards from the camp and walk the, on these rocks, and there's lepidus all over the place. And wow. I don't think anybody looks there because it's, it's not a place that you would typically look. And we've gone back there time and time again. And it's just a great place to find one of the best little snakes that I like. So as far as an experience, finding that spot and then going back to it over and over again, you know, and having our own little place right. where the lepidus, they almost feel like pets because, you know, they're right there. They're so, old friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a great place. And that, that to me, that whole experience is uh, very memorable. Wow. So you can go there and just kind of walk around and go... And, and look yep. at the various... Yep. And then we then we go walk and hike long distances and look, you know, the normal herping things, right? right? Yeah. So we go look for other things. But we can always count on 
picking up a couple lepidus right then, take some pictures. I found some little tiny babies. Um, it's just, nice. it's just, it's it's a special place. Wow. Well, it's good. That's cool. Yeah. It's good to have places like that. Yep. You can say, hey, remember last time we went to, was it Grape Nuts? Grape Nuts, yeah. Grape Nuts, okay. <laughs> I don't know why you call that, but that's, yeah, well, that sounds like everybody knows you know, what it is. it's a rock pile, and it's you know a bunch of little tiny boulders. You okay, know, it, so it looks like, like Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts, yeah, that's what we call it. So, <laughs> okay. And thank Armin for that one, because he came up with that name, I'm pretty sure. That sounds like an Armin thing, yeah. yeah. Okay, yep. very good. So now tell me about your worst herping experience. I think my my worst herping experience actually involves the same person that found that found that spot actually, right? Cause he saw the coach whip. Uh, we were out, he was working on racers in graduate school. And so we were out in Cassachia national forest looking for buttermilk racers. Oh, in Texas. No, no, or in Louisiana, Lu- Louisiana, yeah. Sorry, Kasashi, Louisiana. Um, just South of, uh, Natchitoches. Yeah. So we're out and you know, we're, we hiked around all day. We didn't find any. Um, of course, we're going to go road cruising at night. We're not looking for races then. We're just looking for stuff. When we're driving down the road. We hear frogs. So, of course, we pull over and stop. We're just going to go walk around. And uh, so he, he hops out. He's already geared up. And I'm a little slow getting out, typically. You know, that's that's my MO. You know, I, I'm the last one to get get going. And so I'm just about to start heading out. And he hollers. He's like, hey, I got a big, I get a big cotton mouth. And he's, he's over there. We're looking for frogs so he doesn't have any gear, right? So mm-hmm. no, no clamp or anything like that. And he wants to take a photograph because it's a big snake. So I'm, I'm grabbing stuff and about to go run over to him. And all of a sudden, he just, I hear this holler, this scream, you know, ah. So he, uh, he steps on the, the cotton mouth because it's trying to get away and he's got no way to hold it. And he's got just rubber boots on. And it turns around and it just bites down on his foot. It gives him a really bad bite on the top of his foot. He had rubber boots on? Yeah. And it bit through the rubber oh, yeah. boots? Yep, right through him. Wow. Yep. So so that's a that's a cautionary tale for the folks listening. Absolutely. You think your rubber boots are going to protect you yeah. from this pit is just, vipers. Yeah, just regular wow. lacrosse rubber boots. and. Uh, oh, gosh, because that's the kind I wear. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's... Again, he stepped on it, so it's there's different bites, you know. So you know, just a little strike type bite versus a, you know, when they really get angry, bites, and that, yeah. and that's probably what it was. I wasn't there to see it, but it was a bite, not a strike. Yeah, it it bit down, and it actually bit down on the top of his foot, so it was angry because wow. he stepped on it, and um, bad idea. He knows it, you know. He knows better, but uh, it's just reaction type thing. It's getting away, mm-hmm. you know. I don't have anything to hold it, so he comes over. And, um, you know, I had a Sawyer, ex- Sawyer extractor and we tried it to use it, um, on his foot and it just kind of like peeled the skin and meat away from the top of this bite already. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, uh, and he was in a lot of pain. Right. So we got no cell service. So he gets in the, in his truck, I'm driving and, uh, we start driving and we get about halfway to Natchitoches and I was able to get into, uh, you know, call 911 or whatever, get to the hospital ambulance came and met us and picked him up and brought him to the hospital so yeah that was a a a very terrible night he was in a tremendous amount of pain it was a a pretty bad bite oh boy yeah so that was yeah not not it that's probably the worst experience i've had while and that's like your your worst nightmare is to get bit by a big venomous snake right um yeah and none of us want that no no we want we all want to get 
we all want to get through this life enjoying our pursuit of herps without serious injury and without definitely without a venomous bite. So, right. Uh, and uh, and he recovered from the bite. But he did. It took him a while, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the hospital for a while. I think like two weeks. Oh boy. So it was. Uh, yeah. It was. It wasn't a good bite. Yeah. That's funny, you know, people, when you talk about their worst herping experience, sometimes it's, I fell down and broke my leg and, or the car broke down, but sometimes it's some, it's some really serious stuff like a bite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, yeah, you definitely want to avoid it. Trust me. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't go through it, but I witnessed it and it was not pleasant looking at all. Yeah. When I was a a kid, uh, I lived in St. Louis and we had to, I would go to the St. Louis Herp Society meetings. Is this is uh, in the mid seventies, and the uh, curator of reptiles at the time for St. Louis Zoo was Ron Gellner, and he had served in Vietnam, and he was involved with a lot of snake bites or snake bite treatments, and he took pictures of a bunch of bites, and he had a, pictures of other uh, rattlesnake envenomations and things like that, and he would come to the Herb Society and you know once a year or so and do a presentation, and show those slides of you know blackened limbs and you know mm-hmm. all those all the all the terrible things that can happen from snake bite and if that wasn't a sober pill right. i don't know what was, i think he had a good idea in mind just to keep everybody mindful of what the consequences are if you're not very careful you know? right and, and you know we deal with a lot of venomous snakes and you can be reckless or you can be safe you know and Honestly, I used to be fairly reckless when I was younger, before a lot said experience and some other things. Um, there's there's very safe ways to handle these animals. Get good pictures, um, you know, enjoy the experience without putting yourself in a position where you could be seriously injured. Yeah. And I always like to say, and I say this all the time, if you don't have a good reason to handle a venomous snake, then the only thing left are, the only thing left are bad reasons. Yeah. The good news, though, um, the next, of course, they, they shoot us out of the hotel because it was late at night, uh, hospital, sorry. They shoot us out of the hospital, and the next morning when we woke up, right before we went to the hospital to see how he was doing, we found two buttermilks <laughs> at the campsite uh, five minutes after we woke up. So There's always a silver <laughs> lining. Yeah, so worked out. Wow, those buttermilks are, are awesome snakes. They are very pretty. Uh, I pretty racist. I did a trip with some friends. Uh, we did a trip to Texas, and uh, long story short, we found a couple of a, a couple of buttermilks in the in the Houston area, and we, we shot some photographs of them. and And uh, one of my sh- best shots has a fly sitting on the buttermilk's head. And, mm. and my friend Jim, he offered, he's like, oh, "I'll I'll Photoshop that out." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. That's a fly on the buttermilk, man." Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's like the perfect joke, you know, fly out yeah. of Buttermilk. So I said, so just leave that on there, you know. So that was pretty cool. But couldn't ask for a cooler racer, though. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about that. I appreciate you giving us your, your high and your low, so to speak. So, And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Pat. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. I'm back in one of my favorite places on the planet, the campground at Pine Hills, which is near Snake Road in southern Illinois. And once again, I'm back here talking to my friend, Dr. Mr. Alex Crone. 
Hi, happy to be here. Hey, it's good to talk to you again, Alex. And um, it's great to um, meet you uh, once again at Snake Road and uh, meet your lovely wife, Allie. Thank you, thanks. It was thanks. really great to uh, hang out with you guys yesterday. And um, you got you get to be on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, your I'm excited. Your episode drops, so... That's, I'm excited. It'll be it'll be really fun. Yeah, we've had a great time here. As always, you, you've shown us a great time, and <laughs> and Snake Road is just one of the best places on earth. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Definitely. And I forgot your dog, who's having a good time too. She is. As long as there's a ball here, she'll have a good time. Yeah, she's running around chasing a ball as we talk. <laughs> and uh, so you're here uh, to contribute to the best worst episode and give us your best herping experience oh or would you rather give your worst first? um well yeah maybe i'll start with the worst i think worst. the worst is like easier to think about because it just stands out in my mind more than all of the like awesome times that i've had and then having to rank those awesome times the worst well, this, this is, is gonna easier. sound painful yeah it wow. it, it kind of was um so the worst time that I had was looking for mountain king snakes in California and as often happens it it can sometimes be not fun and not productive but we decided me Zach Lim and Marissa Ishimatsu went out to a mountain range where mountain king snakes zonata are are harder to find and um but i had a plan i kind of knew this pile of rocks down by a stream where we could go and there's not the land out there is is somewhat tenuous like not public on a map but i knew that our areas were public and so we could come you basically drive up this road get to the peak of the mountain and then you have to drop down into the valley where the stream is and go to this this pile of rocks near a stream and we go there and um, it looks good on Google Maps. It's like a mile or two down this stream and we should be able to like, you know, pop down, go over to the rocks, find a million snakes and then hike back out. Like not a problem. We'll be done by 2 p.m. And so we do it and we hike down and the hike down is all off trail and we and it, and it takes a solid two, three hours. So it's already prime time. It's already noon and uh, or past noon. And we start hiking along the stream and dummy old me, I remember that I probably measured the straight line distance, not all the, like the zigs and zags of the stream. <laughs> and so we hike for another four or five hours and now it's like 5 p.m. The sun's starting to go down. We, I think we probably brought a lunch with us, but um, we're out of food. We have very little water left and we now need to figure out how to get back. And well, we're like, okay, shit, we have four or five hours back that we could do and then back up that death march up the hill um or there's a little clearing a little road to our right and we could we could try our luck this way even though it might be private property and well we don't want to spend the night without water shelter or food in the canyon so we're like okay let's go out and um so we choose the road and it's actually pretty nice. There's like an abandoned building with a bunch of like tin to flip and all this stuff. It looks it looks very promising had it been earlier in the day. And we keep hiking up and we get to a clearing where and, and we are exhausted, thirsty and hungry and, and disappointed because we've also 
Oh, we found like a garter snake and an alligator lizard, like definitely not worth the nine hours of hiking that we've now done. And, um, we get to the top and there, there's kind of a clearing. There's like some old cars that have been, that are like deserted off the side and dogs start barking and we're like, Oh no. And all of a sudden, I think it was two or three pit bulls with no collars just come out and start barking at us. And the three of us are like, oh, crap. Like, we all have to pick a different tree and run up that tree as quickly as possible. And we're we're pretty frantic. And luckily, they didn't attack or anything, but they're standing three feet away, bark, bark, barking. And so we're yelling like, hey, excuse me, who? anyone home? Like, please come out. Like, control your dogs, please, please. And we are like 40 minutes from San Jose. We are not far from a major metropolitan area. And this dude... and. I am not kidding, comes out in overalls with no shirt, missing a few front teeth and says like, what are you all doing back here? What are you doing on my land? And I'm like, what What happened? Did we just get like transported to the South? Like, <laughs> like why, why is this guy talking like this? Who is this guy? And we're like, we're so sorry, sir. Like, we're sorry. We, we got lost in the Canyon. We got turned around. Like, please just call your dogs off, please. And I was hoping that he like, he, I mean, I don't know if he'd be within his rights, but he could have just said, no, like, yeah. get him, like, get out of here. Or he could have brought out a gun or who knows what. Um, and we're like, please, please. Like we got turned around and he was confused. He was like, no, you go back from where you came from. Like, I don't want you here. I don't, I don't want you here. And, um, Marissa kind of saved the day and played kind of the damsel in distress and was like, please, we don't have any water. We don't have any food. Like, we don't want to spend the night in the canyon. And he's like, nope, nope. You go back down there. You come back the way you came. This is private property. You cannot enter. And with a little bit more pushing, she was like, okay. Um, she she kept kept at it. And eventually he relented. And he was like, okay, fine. I'll go get my truck and I'll take you up to the paved road and you can hitch back to where you came from. And we're like, oh, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. He's like, well, but I got to figure out how to get my truck started. I haven't used it in a few weeks now. And so I got to, I got to figure out how to get the battery going. And so he, he does that. He goes fiddling with his car. Meanwhile, we, we kind of walk up and out towards the paved road um, out of his property. And then all of a sudden this guy in like a Ford F-150 comes out, nice looking truck. And, um, he's like, are you guys okay? Like, have you been talking to like Hillbilly Joe down there? And we're like, yeah. And he was like, that guy's kind of weird, isn't he? I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> like, and he was like, oh man, don't worry about that guy. I'll talk to him later. Hop in my truck. I run a hunting camp down this way. We'll give you sandwiches. We'll give you uh, food and water. And like, you just come hang out. Then I'll drive you back up to your car. And we're like, oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> like the sun is like practically set now. Like we haven't had anything to drink in hours, nothing to eat since lunch. And it is, uh, we were basically rescued by this guy. And I don't think I'll ever go back to that spot <laughs> again. Um, but I guess the funniest part was that as we were driving out, he's like, what the heck were you doing down there? And we're like, well, you know, there's these rocks right down by the stream where we think this cool king snake lives. And he's like, are you kidding? I've got those down by my property. Like we call them the slick rocks. Like we see snakes there all the time. And we're like, next time, just call me and we'll take you back there. And wah, oh wah, my wah. God. Yeah. That was probably the worst herping experience I have had. And yeah, not fun at all. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. For just a moment there, I thought you were going with a, a Bilbo and the dwarves being chased by wolves. <laughs> You're all going to climb up trees and yeah. and there was going to be a wizard. And I wish. <laughs> I wish. that In some ways, that would have been easier than wow. having to explain our way out of that. Wow. Yeah. You know, th- these, uh, these, these tracks where you, you, maybe you didn't bring enough water because you didn't think you'd be there long enough. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Boy. That always makes it worse. Like, yeah, the moral of the story is bring more water than you thought because if we had had more water, then yeah, we could have taken that longer hike back out and, yeah. and done things all properly. But it was really the water that we were like, we can't really sleep here overnight without water and then camp and then hike out yeah. afterwards. It, Thirst driving your decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was the worst. But it had a happy ending. It's true. It's true. I'm I'm still here today, so I guess all of them. I was waiting to hear that you guys were chained to beds or something. (laughs) (laughs) Four days later, (laughs) forced to write a novel or something. Yeah. Yeah. No. uh, We made it out. We made it out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to your best herping experience. Sure. Um, the best is harder, I think, just because. There's no, I mean, I found some cool snakes and found some like snakes that hadn't been found since the 1920s and range extensions and seen some cool snakes eating things, seen some rare stuff and like, but no one of them really sticks out as like, yeah, so much better than all the rest. Like they're all cool for their individual reasons. But I was thinking about it and I think the the uniting theme of the top moments in my uh times herping are the times where you're just surrounded by diversity where like everywhere you go there's something new and there's this new species that you haven't seen before or like or these things that you have seen but there's just 20 of them and they're under every rock and and i get that feeling here at snake road where you just you see 40 snakes in an afternoon and like yeah it is I, I get that feeling here. I've had it. Um, there's this frog pond in Borneo that was the same thing where it's this tiny frog pond, like maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 square meters. But under every leaf, there's like another frog and this one's calling and this one's jumping and flying and this one's making its nest and that one's different and that one's different and that one's different and that one's different. And, one's different. and it just like, it blows your mind. Like in Taiwan, up in those those mountain roads, it's the same thing. It's like snake after snake after snake and like there's a habu guarding its eggs and there's a cobra and there's a crate and there's a green tree viper and there's like these crazy rare rat snakes and all this stuff. And like those moments just give me such a sense of awe and appreciation. We, yeah, another one was uh, on some of the islands that we've been to in the Sea of Cortez. Like it, you're, I'm just blown away by the diversity of life that's out there, the abundance. And it brings up just so many questions like, why are they all here? What are they all doing out right now? Like what is special about today that, that there's 30 snakes out or that all these different species are, are getting along so easily? And, um, yeah, I, I think those are the ones that stand out as, as the best moments, even though there's, there's multiples of them. Well, it's, those islands are, you know, laboratories for biogeography. Yeah, absolutely. And, the Galapagos uh, of Mexico. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's very deep. You can, yeah. Your thoughts can go very deep in places like that. I, I agree. Yeah. And it makes it especially, well, this is, I guess, kind of like a, a white male 
European version of like wilderness and all of that. But um, but when there's when there's no other humans around and it's just you and these creatures, it just somehow seems like it's been going on for hundreds of thousands of years without any any human intervention needed. Like these natural processes that you're witnessing, uh, and and you just feel so darn lucky to to be a part of it you're too. stepping into their world right right exactly and you get you get just a glimpse of it that one day that you're there and yeah it's really really something special then you start craving those moments yeah yeah i i mean i would seek them out hands down more than i would more than i would chase some rare species that i've never seen before i would chase out or i i would seek out those moments where you're just surrounded by, by an abundance of of animals of the same species or an abundance of lots of different species yeah. like that that just gets me excited that is fun when we uh went to vietnam last year mm-hmm. yeah, there's a particular mountain trail that we would climb it uh at night and there's a stream crosses it at one point there's yeah. a kind of a flat spot there yeah and i think we got six different species of frogs yeah yeah that, in that, that was one a, little spot. That was another yeah. little moment like that where we'd be over here photographing one. You're like, wow, this is so cool. And then someone else over here would say, oh, I've got another one. I don't know what it is. And like yeah. another person over here, like, oh, my gosh, I found a Theloderma. And like, yeah. and it just went on and on. And we were in, yeah, like a 50-foot a stretch of this stream. And we were just finding more and more new crazy things. Like it yeah. was that was a ton of fun. I, I so I get what you're talking about. You don't yeah. you never forget those moments. So. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Yeah, I've had a couple of them, and it's hard to place one above another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's to more of those. Yeah, yeah. Here's hoping. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, Alex. Of course. Giving us your worst and then your best. <laughs> Happy to do it anytime. And you and... give us your best all the time. So yeah. Well, you <laughs> come back in a few more years, and and we'll have new versions of these stories as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again, my friend. Of course. Happy to do it. Well, Justin Michaels, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's good to see you. Good to hear you. Yeah. Good to hear and see you again. Uh, we live 90 miles apart, and uh, in this day and age, that seems like uh, 900 miles. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are it's bonkers days. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I brought you back on the show mm-hmm. to uh, ask you about your best and your worst experiences with amphibians and reptiles in the field. So what do you want to go with first? I think I'll start best. Best. Okay. Yeah. So um, my best, I'll just never forget. It's something I think about all the time. You remember we got to go down to the Orient Society and spend some time with those folks. And overall, the entire experience was amazing, and they were amazing. And I recommend anybody kick some bucks over to them because they're doing really cool things. Um, and what I was most impressed by them was that they are not only putting the indigos back into the wild and breeding them and learning about them and working with landowners, but they're restoring land to what it should be so that all of the species there are coming back because the indigos depend on the gopher tortoises that so many things do. So they overall impressed me in a way that I can never get over. But the very, very best thing about that was um, one, they had a dog that hunted snakes, Charlie, that was incredible to see. And 
so we're out with uh, the techs, and and they were showing us how this dog works. And I was trying to stay away from the dog because they didn't want me to or anyone to interfere with the dog Charlie and what he was doing. So I wandered off, still in earshot, heard rustling, saw an indigo, grabbed it, called them over, handed it over to uh, I think it was Zach uh, and and. I can't remember. Oh, gosh, I'm so terrible. Was it Dylan? Dylan. Yes, Dylan yeah. Kelly. And so I handed one over. To, oh, it was Josh and Zach. And I handed it over to one of those two. One of them was working the dog. And then about 15 steps later, not even 30 feet away, I grab another one. They think those two were males that were in combat that we disturbed or I disturbed. So I grabbed one, grabbed another, handed the other one off, uh, and then grabbed a third. And this is all in three minutes. I had three indigos in three minutes. Were they all three males or were there a female? No, there was one female. There was one female. Interesting. Two males and a female that I caught very close proximity within three minutes of each other. And, um, and I beat the dog that day, uh, overall. And I'll just never get, (laughs) I'll just never get over, uh, but not, not to the dog's fault. He kept finding uh, shed skins, which to him, it wouldn't have mattered. It was the scent, but, um, Right. And they collected those too because they use those for training and other things as well. So that was to me epic, incredible. And I know it's kind of cheating. It's, you know, like like hunting animals with bait, but uh to be where they know they are, but I'll take but, it. But you beat you beat the dog. <laughs> that day. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think the dog has had some pretty good days though. I think he yeah. had in the teens numbers in the teens days on, on his uh, best days. But yeah, pretty so, incredible. Yeah, and so just for clarification too, you're you're catching these these animals as part of a survey work under their and, federal permits, right? And and then the techs that were with us, the guys that were with us, Dylan and Josh. Yeah, they did. Uh, they would take data on the animals, right? They would check to see if they had a pit tag. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're marking them up, weighing them. Uh, if they're recaptures, they're measuring them, weighing them. Uh, they had. In- entire sheets that they were filling out and there were also uh, they're doing a lot of scientific work that we got to see that i got to see that i really was impressed by uh the professionalism that they had and the love that they had for what they were doing uh, it was really really so all of that together made for the most memorable day i've ever had in the field it was incredible very good very yeah. good yeah it's right up there for me too, and we, of course we we were out with uh, Dirk Stevenson as yeah, well. Yeah, you were with Dirk, so we were just like yeah. a half an hour apart, and then came back in the evening. Uh, we yeah. divided and conquered, and you guys had a good day too. But yeah, I think uh, the total for the day was over thirty feet of indigo. Yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah, and 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 on that trip as well, we should note that we did help. It wasn't just tagging along. We at least two animals we found were new to the study. Right. Right. Uh, and then and then several recaptures. Um, which they're always grateful for because then they can measure their progress and how big they've gotten and um, all of those sorts of things. And being around Dirk, especially, and Steven uh, Spear, those guys are so smart. They've got so much time invested in this stuff. Uh, Even just rubbing shoulders with them, you feel like some of it rubs off on you and you're better for it. So it was great. I can't top it ever. Yeah. Yeah. I I forgot to mention Steven Spear too. He was uh, good to meet him for the first time and, and hang out with him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also worth noting, too, that the Orion Society has what they call – what do they call that? The or- Orion Days? You can or go indi- there. You can apply. It's a limited yeah. number. What's limited it called? Indigo number. Days? Indigo, Indigo Days? Yeah. yeah. Places you've never heard, I think, is how they title it. 
something yeah. like that. And so they because they have these inroads with uh, locals. We've dealt with this all across the whole country. There are people that have farms and large amounts of land, and they just don't generally let people come tromp around on it. And the Orient Society has made all these relationships that allow that to happen. Yeah, and uh, if you're a member of the Orient Society, you can if and you, you sign up be. quickly, and you sign up quickly for it. You can go uh, participate in Indigo Days and find your own Indigo. Absolutely. Our, our friend Andy O'Connor did it too, right? Yeah. Lots yeah. of people can do it. Lots of people have done yeah. it. And they're amazing people. They're passionate. They're fun. Uh, like-minded folks. Great. And, so that's uh, a huge plug they deserve. Yeah. And, and and like you say, you get a big dose of conservation yeah. as part of it. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. even schmucks like me can have some science rubbed off on them. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one I won't forget soon. I'm glad to hear it was one of your, your good memories. That was incredible. And we had good company. We had a really good group of, of folks, Midwest folks, that were allowed to come down as part of Hurt Mapper. Um, yeah. Uh, it was really... We have a, uh, we have a partner. Hurt Mapper has a partnership with the Orient Society. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the benefits of that partnership was us coming down and uh, seeing what they're up to and how they operate and things yeah. like that. So, so. so we should probably shout out Kevin Stolgren and uh, Dr. Chris uh, Jenkins. And Chris Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who anybody else that I'm missing out there, but uh, the whole staff is great. The people are great. And what they're doing is absolutely world-class conservation. Yeah, yeah. Hoping to have uh, Chris Jenkins on the show yeah. uh, before too long. So And plug for him. He has a Snake Talk podcast as well. If you need more, <laughs> yes. more herpetology podcasts in your life, <laughs> uh, you can check yeah. out Snake Talk as well. I was just listening to that today. Yeah. Okay. Now, give Not us your word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, was down in I believe Johnson County with Jeremy Schumacher and probably his wife Jill. And I don't remember if anybody else was with us, but we we're tromping around in the swamp um, in thick mud and hot day. And the big target for me has always, always been the mud snake because I think I've seen everything else, you know, within a fourteen-hour drive of any direction, right? So, uh, Jeremy and I see it at the same time, and we both yell "mud snake." And I, I bolt, I just take off running as fast as I can and I'm getting stuck in the mud and, it, and it's just pure black, gross mud. And I get up there and he's right behind me and I scoop up this mud snake and a raccoon had chewed its head off. Uh, and that, that was my one and only mud snake. Uh, <laughs> and it was a big one. It was, it was a big, giant, full grown, really beautiful mud snake. Beautiful and perfect, except its head had been chewed off, and there was little raccoon prints all all around it. And we had oh. apparently spooked it off before we got to it. So that was terrible. Still that is terrible. terrible. Still sticks with me. He still brings it up because that's yeah. the kind of friend he is. So, so you <laughs> saw, you saw the the body of the snake, and you just assumed it was just kind of hanging out. And... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wasn't a lot of thought other than you saw it, imprinted on it, knew what it was, went right for it as fast as I could. Um, Slogging through the mud. Yeah, it was a bummer. It was that real is disappointing. Bummer. It was a terrible bummer. So that, yeah. that was my – so I went from a really high to a pretty bad low, but <laughs> there you have it. Sometimes the raccoons get there first. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed it, but, uh, you know, I think they're pretty docile, slow movers, and and uh, raccoon made, made a meal of his head. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I hope someday you get to see one, hopefully yeah, down I'll, in southern I'll, Illinois. Well, yeah, I've tried hard. I've tried in Missouri hard. I've tried in Illinois hard, very hard. And uh, some of that you've been there for. I've even yeah. uh, I've even pointed people to where you've seen them and where I've always thought they would be. And I think uh, Nick Scoble and Jake Seals 
got one one year down there eating a siren right where we thought they would be, right? Oh, yeah. We always send people down to this place. And uh, we were somewhere else that day. I don't know where we were. I didn't go uh, with them. Yeah, I wasn't with them. Not until uh, that night or the next morning. Yeah. And then so that, yeah, the mud snake eating a siren, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's about Uh, as good as it would get. Yeah. Uh, But I I have to confess, I've only seen one mud snake in Illinois. So maybe I have to go southeast where they get them cheap. Oh, I don't know. I've gotten them in one in Missouri and I've gotten a couple in uh, Tennessee at Real Foot Lake as Mm -hmm. well. So so there's still hope for you, buddy. Well, and Jake Scott had made me have a heart attack once he was following me in Southern Illinois, and he pulled over really abruptly and flashed his lights, and I got out and ran back, and he said, you ran over a mud snake. It was taking up the whole lane. How did you not see it? And I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. He's like, oh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, he got me. Jake, Jake, Jake. I think it was with Eric uh, McCormick, so they must have hatched that together and thought it was great. Yeah. It wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like those two. They thought it was great. <laughs> well, thanks for, for coming on and playing the best worst game. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet and fun. Good to talk to you. But now I get to reverse it on you, right? Yeah, you can well, ask we all, me. We all want to hear. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what else. I think I'll start with my worst because right. it's the most involved story. Uh, well, and uh, the, first thing, the, first, the first thing I thought of when it came to worst, and we were discussing this earlier, I thought about the trip where I, I tore my biceps loose and uh, uh, that was the trip to Texas. And that was um, that, that's but it really wasn't my worst herping trip because the herping trip was actually really good. I mean, we got we found a lot of cool stuff and we got buttermilk racers. And so it can't be really my worst trip. It was just my worst injury on a trip. <laughs> so for my worst trip, I have to go uh, down to Peru and uh, I was um, I Went with uh, Matt Cage down uh, to a, an area called Terrapoto, which is in the foothills, more or less. Uh, and uh, this is a couple days before we do our regular tour down in the rainforest area. And so Matt and I, we went a couple days early and we uh, acquired a guide to take us around. We were hoping to see some new species of frogs and, you know, other herps as well. So we enlisted the services of this guide and... We land at the Terrapoto Airport, and uh, I'm going to try to leave this guy out of it as much as I can, but it's kind of difficult to do. But um, he wasn't really a great guide. Uh, He was a really cranky guy, so I'm just going to call him Senior Cranky Pants. And uh, so he picks this up, but he's got a a guy helping him, and uh, he has a a helper guy because Senior Cranky Pants has a bad leg, and, and he really can't walk very good at all. And so he kind of does the driving around. So we go out that night with, he takes us out to a, a forest and he's just it, kind of almost incommunicable. He's just, you know, he's just a, kind of an angry dude and doesn't really tell us much. Uh, you know, doesn't really kind of get the whole tour guide thing, but his, his helper guy was good. And his name was Pasquale. And uh, so Pasquale took us to some uh places where we got uh, a bunch of really cool amphibians. We got a new monkey frog and a uh, new leptodactylid and uh, some dart frogs and uh, new dart frogs. And so that was excellent and awesome. And so we go back to where we have a hotel in Terrapoto. We go back there and we're going to go out again with them the next day. So the next morning we get back in senior cranky pants truck. And all he tells us is he's going to take us to another frog spot. 
but he doesn't say much, which is we're kind of getting this is how he operates. So the four of us go over the mountain. There's a big mountain behind Tarapoto, and I don't know how tall it is, but it's a fairly good-sized mountain. And we go over this mountain range and down the other side, and it takes us about three hours, maybe four hours, to get up and over down the other side. We were going to his frog spot, and we get within a mile of it, and the road's closed for construction, and we can't go there. So it's like, okay. So he he doesn't say anything, but he just starts driving in another direction, and and he takes us to another place. Finally, he talks, and he's like, yeah, we're going to go here instead. And we drive uh, for another maybe a half an hour, hour in another direction. We start get off the main highway, and we go through a bunch of palm plantations, you know, all the rainforest is gone around here because they've turned it into palm plantations. And we drive down these maze of dirt roads to a remaining patch of forest, like a postage stamp forest, you know. So Senior Cranky Pants stays with the truck. And Pasquale and Matt and I start going out and look, looking for frogs in this forest. And we, we hiked around. We hiked and we hiked. And we actually did see some nice uh uh, dart frogs. We got uh, Renetomea uh, imitator, which is a, a great little frog, and uh, a few other things, and got a, a nice fertile lance, uh, South American lance head. And so we were gone about four hours, and we had hiked and hiked and hiked, and we uh, stopped on the way back to rest because we had uh, it was really hot, and we were out of the forest and back in palm plantations and under the sun, and we had drank all our water. So finally, we made it back to the truck, and it's like, okay, well, it's time to go back, and he goes to start the truck and click, 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 click. <laughs> so the truck won't start. And we're out in a, wherever we're at. We're in this, you know, little patch, edge of this little patch of forest. And so he tries all kinds of things. We try to push start it and nothing's working. And I look at my cell phone and I've got one bar, amazingly, one bar on my cell phone. So I, I, I go, here, how about you call somebody? And so he takes my cell phone. And he calls his wife and he just tells her, I'm going to be late. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what? Uh, how are we going to get out of here? So and Matt and I have to catch a plane the next day and meet all of our customers in the Kitos. You know, we're going to start a tour. So we have to leave the next day. And so it's getting on afternoon and Senior Cranky Pants sends Pasquale uh, to go to town and get a new battery for his truck. And so this guy takes off and, uh, I, you know, it's getting on afternoon. I'm Matt and I are looking at each other like, we can't stay here. We have no water. We're, we're going to get eaten alive in this truck overnight. And we have to, we have to, we have a plane to catch it like a, you know, like 11 o'clock the next morning. So that is not going to be that's just not going to work for us. So finally, Matt and I go up to senior cranky pants. We say, dude, we got to go. We got to go. And he just sort of waves at us like, all right, all right. You know, like, go on, whatever. So we left senior cranky pants alone in the jungle and we start walking. And, you know, I got no water and um, we've already walked for hours and hours and hours. So we start trudging up this dirt tracks through the palm plantations trying to head back to civilization. And I've got just enough uh, service on my phone. I can pull up a map and see the highway. So we kind of know we had that, you know, head in the right direction at least to get the, back to the highway. And so we walk and we walk and we walk and it just goes on forever and ever. And finally, 
a car goes by, a car comes up and stops, and it's it's like a, a 1984 Taurus station wagon, you know, just an old beater with a heater, and this really nice couple stop, and they offer us a ride. And so, okay, that's awesome. So we get in the back, and most of the floor is gone in this car. It's just, it's just old. I mean, it is just ancient. And uh, I've been walking so long, and I haven't had any water. And I can't, be- I can't bend, get my legs to bend to put them in the car. Everything's just cramping up. I'm, I'm prone to Charlie horses, so my legs are all cramped up from walking all day, and because we have no water, so <laughs> I have to sit sideways in the back seat with my legs sticking out the open car door <laughs> while they drive. And of course, you know, they're like, for this couple, it was like, well, you know, no different from any other day. They took it like really calmly. And um, so we're bouncing along this dirt track. And every every time the door would hit a high spot, it would slam over on my legs. And of course, my legs are, you know, like one big giant cramp. And uh, this goes on and on. So finally, they get, and I'm glad we could, we could have never walked out. I, I don't think it, because I think it was four or five miles out. And so... They take us up to the highway, and, and uh, we're very grateful. And, and Matt gave them some money and uh, paid them and thanked them profusely. And then, uh, so we're now we're on the highway, and we're still on the on the wrong side of the mountain from Terrapoto. So it's like okay, so um, they have these little uh, you know uh, motorcycle taxis, and uh, one of those came along. We managed to to uh, get a ride from a motorcycle taxi into the the town that's at the base of the mountain. And we asked the guy if he would take us to Terrapoto. He's like, no, 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 no. So apparently you can't take a motorcycle taxi up over the mountain. And that's kind of dumb anyway, but we asked. So (laughs) we finally figure out there's a place in this town where you can wait for a taxi to take you over the mountain to Terrapoto. So apparently there's, you know, enterprising people that use their cars for taxis and, and ferry people back and forth. But we had to wait our turn. So we waited probably about another hour and a half. And finally we got a, uh, guy that came and took us i'm by this time i managed to get my legs inside the car <laughs> without without going in total charlie horse mode and he took us back over the mountain back to our hotel and uh we're you know we collapsed and well i collapsed uh, Matt was doing better than i was but uh and the next morning we got up and uh got ready you know got to get on the air, airplane to go to Aikido's and meet up with our group and that that's all going to go well but uh one of the ladies that runs a hotel came up to me and she said, um, uh, Senora Cranky Pants, his wife, called and she wants to know when her husband is coming home. I didn't know what to tell her. Um, I'm sure Pasquale took care of getting a battery and everything, but I just couldn't be part of that. I didn't know how long that was going to take. So so I, all I said is he said he'd be back today sometime. And that's that's all I can. That's all I know. So. <laughs> I feel kind of bad about it, but at the same time, uh, and this guy was uh, perfectly fine with just leaving us you know, to sit in the forest all night while we wait, you know, for Pasquale to drag a battery back into the forest from who knows where. Plus, it's a Sunday. It was a Sunday. I don't know where you would get a battery on a Sunday. And uh, so that was the that was the day we left a cranky tour guide in the jungle so that we could catch our plane. So that has to count as probably my worst herping experience. So I got to ask you then, did you finally get a drink of water? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when we when we got to the city uh, and waited for our taxi cab to take us over the mountain, there was a little bodega there and managed to get some water and uh, finally got some hydrated. But uh, Oh, man. 
you know, they always tell you to take more water than you need. And I, I, t- I actually took plenty of water. I took plenty of water for the day's work. But, you know, I hadn't counted on that truck to having a bad battery. And uh, that was a yeah. little bit of a foolish mistake, but um, well, you just never you know. You paid this guy in advance or did you pay him after? Oh, we paid him then in advance. Oh, see, so. yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. No chance for a refund. So, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, I, he did get out, I think, that day. And I know Matt talked to him later and um, – and there, there was no re, there was no refund coming. But we're not recommending, sort, we're so. not recommending grumpy pants any, to anyone. Yeah, yeah. senior cranky pants. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, um, that was probably my worst. In just in terms of how I felt, and then and being stuck, just the idea that well, tomorrow we have to be very responsible people and meet our clients who are paying lots of money yeah. to uh, for us to show them a good time in the rainforest. And boy, we got to get there somehow. And, uh, and you were kind of frazzled <laughs> at that point too. Oh yeah. So it's terrible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible, man. That is a bad one. That's worse than I just had a heartbreaker. You had a, that was really bad. Yeah. That was a bad experience for sure. Yeah, so. I'm, Somebody's going to top mine for sure. Uh, mine was, mine was simple by those standards. Yeah. Well, I, I can't – there's some people – I'm not going to name any names. There's some people I can think off the top of my head that I really want to hear, you know, uh, crashing their car or driving into a canal. Or I can think of all these things that are uh, – <laughs> Josh Holbrook had a pretty bad one. I think they got stranded similarly somewhere once. I think a bus broke down or something. Or a, a road road washed out and then a bus broke down. He had a real crazy oh. one like you did too. Oh, I don't know that I one. I think that was Central hmm. America. But, yeah, you need to f- follow up with him. You've got okay. some good ones out there. You definitely know some people. If uh, Andy O'Connor comes to mind, well, I, I actually uh, when I put this all together, Andy has a segment on this sh- on this episode. He needs one. So yeah, uh, but we so love it'll, it'll Andy. Be, we love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> oh, he does a, he, he, uh, he tells a really good story. Yeah, I'll leave it at that, and I appreciate him telling it. So. Hopefully the, we'll do some more of these, but I've got quite a collection here for this first episode. So well, you're you're the last one. We need, or I'm the last. You're one. the last one. So now we need to hear your best. Um, I thought about this too, and I thought about this the whole time I'm talking to other people about their bests, and and really, it this is this is tough because I've had so many incredible experiences, but I, I have to single out one uh, in particular, and it, it was part of a it was a moment during a, a trip. And the trip is what I what I call Thamnopalooza, and that's a trip uh, I went on um, I think six years ago uh, to the California, the Bay Area, and uh, with some other folks. And the goal was to get all of the garter snakes in that area, which we did, and uh, we've got all of our targets. And uh, one day, uh, our target was the San Francisco garter snake, and we managed to see three that day. And the third one is the focus of the story because. Um, the third one was in, it was a, a, a male about two feet long, maybe maybe 28 inches long, slender male San Francisco garter snake. And we spotted it poking its nose out of a, like a hedge almost. Um, it was next to a trail and the, and the bushes along the trail were trimmed back. So it kind of gave it a hedgy look, you know. And um, I'm not sure what, what kind of vegetation it was, but uh, the snake was sticking his head out. And so just stopped to watch. And for about the next 40 minutes or so, I just stood there and watched this snake forage 
along this hedge, this hedgerow. And, you know, it would, would stick its head out. It would kind of periscope up, you know, would raise its head off the ground and it would look around back and forth. And then it would move around and move along a little further and it would come back up. And every time it would come back out of the hedge, it would stick its head up and peris- do that periscoping thing. And uh, so we just watched it. I took a lot of pictures of it as well, of course. But it was just an, an interesting opportunity to watch this snake, which was oblivious to us. You know, we were back, I don't know, five, six feet away from it. Didn't get close, didn't disturb it. Just watched it and uh, watched it as it foraged along, you know, the hedgerow. That was, for me, was uh, just an incredible experience because um, you encounter amphibians and reptiles and sometimes you have to catch them. Sometimes they wiggle away and you have to do something. But this is one of those neat opportunities where the only thing I had to do was just stand there and observe. And it was just a a fascinating moment. And for all I know, it could have went on for hours. Uh, Finally, you know, it was time for us to leave. So we we got out of there. But uh, I'll never forget that, you know, that time just to opportunity to observe that animal as it as it worked looking for food you know i love that it reminds me of our redheaded philosopher friend marty the mvh the most valuable herper who many years ago told me not enough people just sit and watch you don't just sit and watch things in the forest happen and he wasn't specifically even talking about herps he just meant we don't take the time to just watch what these animals are doing we're too busy chasing after them and I think you did just that, and that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 also uh, Brian Hughes brought up brought this up uh, recently too with some rattlesnakes. You know, just the op- opportunity to observe behavior by just you know staying back and just watching, not not and, harassing, uh, not interfering, yeah, just you know. just watching them. And I, you know, I can probably come up with some more moments like that if I think about it. But I think that's where I I, I really enjoy. This thing we do the best when you know the, you're just a you're just an observer and, and uh, you're not an active participant in in any way. It's not a young man's game, though, <laughs> is it? That's, it's not. No. <laughs> no. Well, you know. Also, you can't just be grabbing up San Francisco garter snakes. That's, <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, or at least not tell anyone you did. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I'm de- yeah, I'm not trying to say everybody's unscrupulous. Yeah. But. Yeah, but you just can't go grabbing these things up. So, yeah, um, you know, and, and of course, the younger me, I grabbed everything. Right. That's why I, I said it's before. not a it's not a young man's game. Yeah. We, so, we have to get that tactile response when we're young. You have to. You have to get out of your system. Yeah, indeed. Handling hot sometimes is a, a something that guys go through teens to 20s or maybe just a, maybe just one time is enough. But a lot of older guys don't have that desire to, you know, get it in hand. Oh, I don't. No, I'm over it. I, I that was cured of that early. Uh, I was still in grade school, well, junior high school, and uh, I, you know, I held the first copperheads I ever saw. Um, you know, the pin them down and pick them up behind oh, the, yeah. the head. Yeah. Thing. This is, you know, shoot, almost fifty years ago, but uh, but that was enough for me. That kind of and you're over it. That got sure. got it out of my system. So yeah, uh, I didn't really need to do that, and I have had to hook and tail some big. Pit vipers now and then, uh, but only with a really good reason. I try not to touch them at all if I can can help it. So yeah, who needs medical bills or any other problems anyway? Yeah. So there you have it. You're the first person to hear my best. Wonderful. I appreciate it. And I and, well, I, and I remember you doing that trip, and I remember thinking it was amazing. But getting the best part was just getting to watch that guy do exactly what he does. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and uh, talking to me about it yeah. and uh, playing hosts to, <laughs> so that I can. That was fun. I can give my uh, have my shot at yeah. it. So <laughs> it was great. It was good to see you, even though it's virtual. Uh, and, and I know we're canceling other things, but uh, it's, it's hard. But that's how things are. We just need to be safe. Yeah, it's good to see you. I, mean, I guess we're we're not going to do our our winter camping trip this year because of what's going on. And it's probably our sensible thing for us to do is just to um, stay at home. It's sensible. It's difficult, but sensible. It sucks. It does. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Bye. That's it for episode 25. I want to thank Andy, Mac, Brian, Phil, Matt, Marissa, Sean, Brandon, John, Pat, Alex, and Justin for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. Much appreciated, y'all. And folks, this show was an example of the power of feedback, so keep those cards and letters coming in and let me know what's on your mind. And oh, and the merch and Patreon project are nearly ready, and that may be ready to go uh, for release with the next episode. And now, of course, before I go, I always want to remind everyone that you can find all of the recorded episodes and the show notes at SoMuchPingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group and follow the show. And along with all of that, you can also email me directly at SoMuchPingle at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And in the meantime, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs> <laughs>